All right. Good morning. This is Steve Tarter in another edition here for, uh, well, looking at new books and, and Stacked is the name of it. And we've got the co-authors on the line, Joel Saucihai and Emily Guy Birkin. Stacked is your super serious guide to modern money management, but it's not really that super serious, is it, guys? <laughs> not so much. <laughs> it, might, it might not be. might not be. <laughs> and of course, we should say, in case you're wondering who these folks are, uh, Joe, you have a you know a very successful podcast, Stacking Benjamins, and Emily, you've written what like four books about That's finance. Correct. So That's correct. Um, we we got some you know some serious uh, inf- information to, to dispel here. Uh, one of the things, and I, I was just looking at the uh, the stuff they send over from the publisher. Uh, Joe, you were talking. I think they gave me a little squippet of your maybe one of your podcasts, but you were talking about this book, and you were saying it's the basics that people need to really focus on, right? Rather than all these shortcuts and things of that sort. Well, with all the news right now about crypto and NFTs, which by the way, are fine places to invest money, but it's still the wild west. I think we're not attracted to those, Steve, because of the fact that they're fantastic for our portfolio and for our goals, but because we're seeing people get rich overnight. And we think it's, you know, we're back in the gold rush days there. And what, what's sad is that on the other side of this gold rush was a report that I read from a group called Nonfiction, and it was a fantastic report called uh, The Secret Financial Lives of Americans. And when you read this, some of the numbers are just truly eye-opening. And here's, here's a big one. 150 million people, according to this report, in the United States cry about their money. Almost half of Americans cry. Uh, And you'd think that this is people living paycheck to paycheck like I was back in the early 90s, wondering where my next meal was going to come from. But it's not that at all. While there are more people on that end of the financial spectrum crying, nearly half of people who make over $250,000 a year are crying about their money. So Emily and I realized that, you know, there's, there's tons of YouTube channels. There's lots of podcasts like ours. There's radio shows, there's, there's, there's books, there's libraries full of books, but somehow we're missing people. And I think it's because we're so heavy about this that people continue to cry. And they're not crying about the NFT. They're not crying about cryptocurrency or you know central bank uh, digital currency maybe being a part of our lives, like the hot new stuff. They're crying about specifically what you're talking about, Steve. They're crying about the basics. So we thought it was high time to help people build a foundation like, you know, the three little pigs, right? <laughs> now we're talking my speed of finance here. About three little pigs. <laughs> Get those bricks going. Emily, what about you? Um, you've, you've been, you know, kind of involved with a, a wide variety of things, social security, you know, advising people. What's, what's your take uh, on this new book? Uh, well, I think it's great. (laughs) Um, but my, one of the things that I have realized as I've, uh, you know, had this writing career is, uh, I'll have a new book come out. I have friends who are, um, you know, really excited for me and they'll buy it. But one recently told me after my most recent book, uh, prior to this called end financial stress now came out, she said, I'm terrified to read this. You know, I bought it to support you, but I'm terrified to read this because she has this sense that money is this overwhelming, incomprehensible thing. And that reading the book was going to just uh, prove to her that she was doing it all wrong and that it was going to make her feel even worse. 
And so how do you get to the folks who are so worried about that? Like, you're not going to get to them um, by, you know, shaming them, by telling them like no avocado toast. You're not going to be to get them by saying like, well, if you had started earlier, you'd be fine now. <laughs> you get to them with playfulness, with humor, with um, being open and honest about your own mistakes, because there's not a single financial guru out there who has not made a major mistake at some point point with their money. And so that's why I really wanted to do this with Joe was to create a book that was going to not only be engaging for the people who are already going to be reading financial books, but also be welcoming to the people who feel uncomfortable with the idea of reading a financial book. And Joe, and well, both of you, I guess, have made this point, and I'm, I'm just taking it. And that is, there's a ton of information out there, especially if you if you wander through the the internet, um, and and you know obviously it's good and bad, and we always hear that. But is it possible that people and, and I think Emily, you may have alluded to it in, in the fear factor that people have, they get overwhelmed by it because you know you hear gloom and doom every day. Hey, the mm -hmm. market's going down. It's got, you know the crypto thing, whatever it is. Um, is there a way to avoid that? I mean, you're obviously thinking humor here is, is, has a place. How, how do you work that in? Well, we 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 work it in, number one, by uh, I think Emily. And the reason I asked her to help me with this project was because she's one of the funniest people that I know. And she doesn't get to express that a lot in her writing because the, the different publications she works for doesn't let that her 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 shine. Like, I think that she can when it comes to the funny stuff. And of course, on our show, Stacking Benjamins, uh, uh, we find that it's that the humor really lightens it up. And I remember just to agree with with Steve what you're talking about and what Emily said, you know, a long time ago, I was a financial planner. I, I, I sold my business uh, uh, 12 years ago when I was, a, I remember this great client I have named Arnie and Arnie would come into my office and he'd say, Joe, I always feel great when I leave, but when I come in, it's like going to the dentist, right? <laughs> I just, I don't want to be, and, and the teeth cleaning feels good later, but it's, but it's not that great. So how do you, how do you actually how do you actually reach people? And it's funny because the inspiration for this book initially came to me while I was at this great bookstore in Portland, Oregon. I don't know if you've been there, Steve. It's called Powell's. And it's about a it's about a block long, and wow. I and I feel like the bookstore slowly expanded over time. It's one of the wonderful bookstores around the United States. But I I always get inspiration from these places. So I I'm I'm you know uh, the synapses are connecting as I'm walking through these different departments, and I make my way to the kids section, which everybody who knows me believes, <laughs> and, 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 and I see this book, Steve, called The Hardy Boys Detective Man. And I don't know if you remember this book, but it was written with the help of a real live FBI agent. And it taught people how to be a detective. And I remember when I was in fourth grade, my brother and I, we would carry this thing around. We dog ear it. And I thought, man, if there was a financial book that would, that was, was as helpful as I felt that was, I mean, I remember my dad on a, on a, on a, on a day after a rainstorm, we'd go out and we'd look at his tire tracks after he left for work at general motors, or uh, my mom would touch a, she'd touch a doorknob 
and we run over there with the tape so that we could we could we could get her fingerprint because you don't know where mom's been, you know. But I felt like if if there was something that playful, but for adults, that would be great. Well, I flew home, and uh, uh, I was living in Detroit at the time, and my mom has a key to our house. And she had left, I was 50 years old at the time, Steve, and she finally left me all that stuff in the attic that, that, that she's trusting me with, like the sixth place father-son bowling trophy from when I was 13 uh, <laughs> and all those things. But I found the Cub Scout Wolf Guide. And another key that I know from a decade of doing this podcast, and I think is a good lesson for all of us, that if you gamify this stuff, and a lot of these fintech founders now have found this vein and are really helping us get rid of some of the boring stuff about finance, but if you gamify it and you make it fun, you can achieve a lot. In fact, instead of calling them chapters in the Cub Scout Wolf Guide, they call them achievements. And they tell you succinctly what tools you're going to need. They tell you how to do the thing. At the bottom to show proficiency, you check boxes to show that you can do things. And guess what? At the end of every chapter, you get a badge. So we <laughs> we deliberately then set this book up to follow that. So if, you know, we don't talk a lot about the Cub Scout Wolf Guide and the Hardy Boys Detective Manual in the book, but now that your listeners have heard that and they read it, they'll go, wow, this might be the Cub Scout Wolf Guide for adults. There we go. Well, you know, it's funny when you're talking about it, Joe, I, I flash to, um, the uh, this is a comic book memory the little manual that huey dewey and louie used <laughs> that i think predated the whole earth catalog because in any internet because it had all the answers but uh anyway that's that's a, we're flashing back to our our yeah. childhood guides here emily what's your childhood guide there is there is there one that you can reach back for uh, well, it's not, it wasn't a guide. I was, uh, I was woefully literary for the first, uh, 30 years of my life. Um, and so I, uh, the book that I dog-eared was, um, uh, one called the grub and stakers move a mountain by Alyssa Craig. Uh, that was uh, Charlotte McLeod's uh, pen name. Um, and, uh, the reason why I bring it up is I read that book so many times and all of my one-liners come from it. Every single oh. one of them. If I wanted to describe someone who is uh, not necessarily the brightest bulb, I use what uh, Alyssa Craig said and like he's pure caramel custard from the neck up. Oh. <laughs> um, if I want to say something is complicated, I say, um, yeah, I think that they're uh, pasting together uh, split atoms. And so uh, if you read through the book, you will see quite a few of those kinds of one-liners that I have uh, um, picked up from this very obscure Canadian cozy mystery from the late 70s that I don't think anyone else has read. <laughs> People are rushing to the library right now to find that book. And, and now, of course, Hardy Boys is also having a resurgence here, too. <laughs> well, well, and I'll give people, Steve, kind of a guide, because something that I learned was that uh, if you're creating something that's creative or you're just trying to find a way to do your job in a different way that makes it fun for you, no matter what it is, what you do. I love another book, which is called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. And Austin talks about how the fact that a great artist takes other people's things like Emily talks about and, of course, doesn't directly steal it, but remixes it, pays homage to it, it makes it their own device. And I think a lot of us think, man, I'm not creative, but it's easy to be creative when you realize that remixing what's already out there uh, makes it a ton easier and also is really fun and can make your whole life a little bit more playful. Well, we're talking with Joe Saul Cihai and Emily Guy Burke and the authors of Stacked, a super serious guide to modern money management, all kinds of things in here. 
one more thing guys before we got to go you you uh you know you've got the usual shopping list of things that people can get from this book the publisher provides it um things like uh planning for emergencies uh you know what to expect when you're investing let me just give you one thing because obviously we're running out of time setting realistic goals with your vision in life can you expand on that a little bit I think it's better to uh, not just, especially here in the new year, just to write down your goals uh, because of the fact that we see how often New Year's resolutions don't work. I'll tell you what happened with my client, Steve. It was much better when I realized that if we visualized our goals, if we actually put them visually on a sheet of paper against each other and kind of let them fight it out, that, that we could see how they played against each other. We'd have these values-based conversations about what's really important to us in our life, and then we would make better decisions. So here's, here's actually the tip. Uh, put yourself as a stick figure on a blank sheet of paper on the left, and then draw a timeline out to the right, and then put circles where your goals are. Maybe it's financial independence for yourself. Maybe it's putting kids through college. Maybe it's just having the, the, the time to go work out more. People don't think about that as a financial goal, but if you need more flexibility, you're going to have to find a way to afford that. So whatever the goals are, put them and put the dates that you want them. And when you see all these against each other, your subconscious brain, because most of us in the United States and worldwide, it's just as humans are visual. And so as visual creatures, we can ask ourselves a few questions. How much do I have to save today to get where I want to go? What do I have to do differently? What's working really well that I'm doing now? What do I have to do differently uh, to achieve these? And if I can't achieve both of them, maybe I can modify both of them to still get them, maybe not get them the way I outlined them at first, but to get them both instead of just one. I think what we usually do is we just look at the next thing ahead of us. And once we get that, then we go to the next one, the next one. And the bad news is if we do that, we don't let compounding interest, which is a true miracle, we don't let that work for us. And uh, instead of us picking up and doing the heavy lifting. Very good. Emily, uh, last words, uh, recommendation on the book or what, what's your thought here? Um, well, I think that, um, I love the timelining your goals because one of the things that it does is it brings out your values. Um, you know, if you just write your goals, then you are still kind of just dreaming. Um, and you know, they say goal is dream with a deadline. Well, you got to put the deadline in. And so that's one of those things that I think is, uh, just kind of revolutionary. Uh, and Joe introduced me to it cause I I've long been, uh, writing my goals down, you know, every year I, I set a, a goal for myself for freelancing income, but I don't do anything else with it. And then by the end of the year, I'm like, oh goodness, I'm not going to meet my goal. <laughs> so by actually putting it out on a timeline and saying like, oh, okay, I'm going to need to earn X amount of money each month. And oh, I didn't make that in February. What am I going to have to do in March to be able to make that up? It makes such a huge difference. And it also helps you recognize your values because you can then start going like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do it, but it's because I was spending more time with my kids. And you know what? That's more important. Maybe I will uh, adjust my, my, uh, uh, income goal for the year. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, we've been talking with Joe Saul Sihai, Emily Guy Birkin, authors of Stacked. Uh, you can listen to, to Joe on his uh, Stacking Benjamins podcast. Emily's got books that you need to check out of the library along with the, uh, the Hardy Boys. And uh, <laughs> we thank you both for your, your time here. And uh, obviously, there's so much more to get into, but uh, hey, we'll do it the next time, okay? Absolutely. Happy New Thank Year, you. Steve. Yep. Happy New Year to you guys. Take care now. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.